we all sort of talk about it, but we've never really sat down and defined it clearly in a way that folks from outside the region can understand it. So what we really wanted to do is take a look at what the region is and then what some of the health challenges facing the region are. Welcome to Primary Sources, a podcast produced by East Tennessee State University that highlights the important research happening at ETSU. Joining us today on Primary Sources are Dr. Randy Wyckoff and Dr. Ron Roach. Dr. Wyckoff is the founding dean of the East Tennessee State University College of Public Health and serves as the co-director of the Center for Rural Health Research at ETSU. He is a board-certified physician in both pediatrics and preventive medicine, with additional certification in tropical medicine. He has served as former senior vice president for international operations at Project HOPE, former deputy assistant secretary for health for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and former associate commissioner for operations for the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Recognizing his influence and leadership in healthcare, Dr. Wyckoff was named a 2022 inductee to the Tennessee Healthcare Hall of Fame. Recently, he co-edited an award-winning book titled Appalachian Health, Culture, Challenges, and Capacity. The book, which we will hear more about in this episode, explores the health issues and challenges facing the people of Appalachia. It includes six chapters authored by ETSU faculty members. Dr. Ron Roach, professor and chair of ETSU's Department of Appalachian Studies in the College of Arts and Sciences, was one of the book's contributors, offering readers an introduction to Appalachia. Dr. Roach has written about bluegrass festivals and the rhetoric of Appalachia, and has explored heritage tourism and comparative mountain studies in Scotland, Ireland, and the Carpathian Mountains of Ukraine and Romania. He is also the director of the Appalachian Teaching Project for the Appalachian Regional Commission. Dr. Roach also serves as director of the Center of Excellence for Appalachian Studies and Services. In 2021, he led in establishing Appalachian Places, an online magazine published by the center, and serves as its co-editor. Gentlemen, thanks for being here. This new book, Appalachian Health, uses a balance of data and storytelling to explore some of the health challenges facing Appalachia. So what are some of the issues this book addresses? Well, Melissa, I'll say to start with, what we wanted to accomplish was to take this somewhat ill-defined region called Appalachia. We all sort of talk about it, but we've never really sat down and defined it clearly in a way that folks from outside the region can understand it. So what we really wanted to do is take a look at what the region is and then what some of the health challenges facing the region are. And I think Ron's opening chapter is one of the best written overviews of Appalachia that I've ever seen. It's, it, it lays out the geography, the geology, the culture, the history, because to understand where we are today, you have to understand who we are and where we come from. Well, thank you, Randy. And, and it's been an honor to be a part of this project. Our Department of Appalachian Studies really appreciates collaborating with College of Public Health on projects like this. Our department, by definition, is interdisciplinary. And so we work with many uh, departments and colleges across the university. And uh, one of the things we addressed in that opening chapter was the fact that there have been so many attempts to define Appalachia, 
And, and there's so many different ways to define it, depending on how you approach it. Do you define it politically or geologically or socially? And periodically, there seems to be in our culture sort of an awareness of quote-unquote rediscovering Appalachia and understanding it anew, as we've seen in recent years. So as Randy said, it was very important for us to start with that question of the history and the residents and current challenges facing Appalachia. And I'll take a little bit of a step back, and, and the co-editor of the book is Doug Scutchfield, and Doug is one of the legends in public health, and he's recently passed away, but when he reached out and asked if we'd be willing to co-edit the book, I was, I was thrilled because it really helps put Appalachia on the public health map as well. He had a, nas a national reputation and stature, and for his, his involvement with the book, really set it up, I think, to be something that folks can look at from the outside and really start to understand who we are. You mentioned looking at it from the outside. So I know that there are oftentimes stereotypes surrounding Appalachia. It's often misunderstood by people from outside this region. So why was it so important before just delving into some of the challenges that we face with our health and well-being to have that foundational chapter with the overview in the background. Well, let, let me take a quick shot at it. You know, as Ron said, every now and then people suddenly pay attention to Appalachia. So they did back in the 1960s when Lyndon Johnson started the war on poverty. Gee, Appalachia's poor. They did with the most recent election, which is why did Appalachia overwhelmingly support Donald Trump? You know, it, it, rightly or wrongly, every now and then folks from the outside pay attention to us. We wanted to help them understand not just who we are today, but how we got here, what the factors are, and why people in the region are somewhat legitimately frustrated with the help they have and have not received from the outside. Well, that's right. And we like to say that place matters. Our environment has a great deal to do with our health and our well-being. So it is very important to start with a deep understanding of the place where we live Appalachia is one of the most beautiful and unique places on earth. Geologists tell us it's among the oldest mountain ranges on the planet at half a billion years old. It's also a huge region, more than 200,000 square miles, more than 25 million residents. If it were a state, it would be the third largest state by population. And so it has incredible natural resources, one of the most biodiverse places on the planet. But alongside that, you have this long history of marginalization of, of the people who live here, a, a long history of absentee ownership, of extractive industry, of economic distress. And there's a strong correlation between poverty and, and lack of education and, and detrimental health effects, as, as Dr. Wyckoff can elaborate on. And as you said, the, the region has also suffered from negative stereotypes, perhaps no region in the country has been so unfairly depicted in the popular culture. But despite those stereotypes, the, the region has been home to such a, a range of rich and diverse cultures, from the first inhabitants more than 12,000 years ago, to the Cherokee, to the European settlers from England, from Scotland and Ireland and Germany and other places. African-Americans to the fastest growing uh, group in the region now, uh, Hispanic and, and Latino communities. So there's so much in the region uh, for us to understand 
and it, it just made sense for us to start with trying, especially for those who may read this book who are unfamiliar with the region, or perhaps all they know about the region is from its depiction in popular culture. It's very important to start with that overview. Here at ETSU, we're committed to improving the quality of life for the people of this region. So Dr. Roach, how does the history and the importance of Appalachian studies connect to our mission and to our region and the people who live here? Well, from the very beginning, ETSU was founded to improve the quality of life for the people of this region. And one of the things I most appreciate about our president, Dr. Nolan, is that he constantly reminds us of that. It's very important we, that we keep that mission in front of us. And ETSU has remained focused on that. Our university is in the perfect location between Central and Southern Appalachia to, to serve this region. We're the only state university that devotes a full department to Appalachian studies, which includes the, the world-renowned bluegrass, old-time, and roots music studies program. Our department includes the Center of Excellence devoted to the region with the archives of Appalachia, the Reese Museum, our regional service institute, and we have a new unit, the Institute for Appalachian Music and Culture, that will be in the news uh, very soon now. So we're, we're a university that has never lost sight of that mission, and that focus runs throughout the university, through all of our colleges, whether it's business, education, health sciences, they all serve the region in distinct ways, and public health is a great example of that. And I, I would say, you know, you look back at the history, the East Tennessee Normal School, you know, we always talk about how it was created to put teachers in Appalachia, and we typically focus on the first part of that, teachers and education. But in fact, from the beginning, it was serving Appalachia. And then what happened is over time, starting in the 1930s, we had minors and degrees on the health side. We developed an expertise in rural health, particularly in primary care, but we sort of drifted apart from the Appalachian side. And now what I see us doing is bringing it back together and saying, I can't do what I do without Ron's department. You know, and, and he can't really study Appalachia without understanding the intergenerational cycles of poverty, poor health, poor health behaviors, and so on. So the real value of having all of these different departments and levels of expertise at ETSU is both what they bring individually, but more importantly, what we can bring together. And what I really like about what you've done in this book is you've brought in ETSU experts from our research centers, from different colleges and departments who have expertise in this area. And several of them are included in the book. So what areas of, of expertise and insight did these researchers bring to Appalachian Health? Well, I would say one of the things that I was pleasantly surprised with was how diverse our level of expertise is at the, at the university, not just in Appalachian studies. Obviously, we have a chapter on opioids, the social determinants of health, the diseases of despair. I mean, there's a lot of issues that we cover as, a, as, a, as an institution. There are many other universities represented, but I think ETSU has the majority of the chapters, and I think that reflects this longstanding level of expertise. And obviously the book focuses on Appalachia, that's, that's the whole premise, but many of the issues have policy and practical implications beyond our region. So talk about some of those o overarching lessons that readers can learn from Appalachian yeah. Health. Well, as, as I like to say that the health challenges of Appalachia are no different than they are anywhere else, they're just worse here. 
you know, poverty, intergenerational educational underachievement, poor health behaviors, lack of access to health care. Those are issues for inner city minority populations. Those are issues on tribal lands, but they're, they're more diverse and worse here. Um, so that's, that's sort of the, the challenge that we, that we face. And then, you know, one of the things I like about what Ron does is he's able to see the issues of Appalachia outside of Appalachia. So the Carpathian Mountains, that work, and he and I have had several conversations about, all right, what, what, what defines Appalachia? What is Appalachian health? Can we publish, you know, a book chapter or an article from another part of the country, another part of the world? And I think the answer is yes. We just have to decide what's relevant to us. What can inform us here, and how can we inform folks at other places? Well, that's right. And you know, we've we've learned through comparative mountain studies that mountain regions around the world, because of their similar topography, their similar environment, population, and, and economic patterns, they they face similar challenges. But Appalachia, as Randy said. It has its unique characteristics. It has its unique challenges that we focus on. I think one of the lessons that, that I really appreciate from this book is the, the idea that health is, is a holistic concept. We, we have to consider the, the total person and the total environment, and we have to work together, as, as Randy said, to bring our different disciplines to bear on these problems, uh, to, to pool our resources to find solutions to the challenges that we face. Something that uh, certainly emerged through, through my chapter was the, the growing body of research on how negative stereotypes actually do affect healthcare. We've talked about stereotypes for, for many years and, and how they affect the region, but only in recent decades have we, have we seen more researchers focusing on how does this affect, for example, the attitudes that a healthcare provider may have toward patients, the interaction between providers and patients, and then how do patients respond to uh, health care and, and to the system of treatment that, that's recommended to them. Stereotypes can have a detrimental effect on that entire process. So encouraging professionals to learn more about the place where they live, the, the, the people that they serve, to develop a healthy respect for uh, other cultures and develop skills in intercultural communication. It's important not only in, in healthcare, but in, in all of the ways we work in, in anywhere in the world to more effectively serve the, the people that we work with. And you, you see, you, th you think, okay, how do we improve health in Appalachia? How can we even answer that question without knowing what Ron knows? You know, if you don't understand the culture of the people, and so the, the subtitle of the book is Culture, Challenges, and Capacity. It starts with culture. Who are we? What, you know, strength and weaknesses. You know, we often talk about stereotypes being a negative thing, but there are certain characteristics of central Appalachians that are also strengths. The independence, the self-reliance, you know, the, the very thing that drew the public's attention to the region, why are these guys and gals voting the way they're voting, reflects a long-standing cultural challenge. And I think legitimately the people of Appalachia can say that they were not, they have not been well served by the system. And, you know, and, and it's, not, it's not just stereotypes, it's also how you see what's being given to you. You know, if what's being given to you is being given in a way that's condescending, here little people of Appalachia, you need this and this and this, people are going to resent that. And, and 
so you know, it starts with culture, then we talk about challenges, and then we talk about capacity, because the other side of the coin is we've got some great capabilities in this region. You know, if you can take that independence and drive it into improving health, we've, we've accomplished something. I love that you uh, have touched on the importance of intercultural communication and understanding the culture of Appalachia. So in looking at these challenges that are facing Appalachia, what are some of the policy implications? What, what can we do to serve Appalachia better from a public health standpoint? Well, I, I talk about the three-legged stool, if you will, poverty, behaviors, and access to health care. And we need, what we've come to understand is those three are completely interrelated. Because poverty has two underlying factors, that's jobs and education. And health behaviors and access to health care. The reason I say they're interrelated, the simple sentence that we always use is every employer you talk to says they need a healthy, educated, drug-free workforce. You can't get new jobs if you don't have a, a healthy, educated, drug-free workforce. So the first thing to understand is that no one of those can be successful without the other two. But the other thing to understand, and this is the darker side of it, is that all three of those things are on intergenerational cycles. So children of parents who are less educated tend to be less educated. Children of parents who smoke or are obese or sedentary tend to adopt those behaviors. And we know that over time, um, poor communities are more likely to lose access to health care. We see rural hospitals closing and so on. So the challenges I see are we've got to bring everyone together, education, economic development, behavior, and access to health care, and we've got to do it in a way that we, we understand that we're looking at the long view. This is not something we're going to change in two years or five years. I couldn't agree more, and, and I've certainly been encouraged in, in recent years. We've made a lot of progress since the Appalachian Regional Commission, for example, was founded in 1965. We've made a lot of progress on improving socioeconomic conditions in the region, improving infrastructure, educational attainment, but we still run behind the rest of the nation you know, in important ways in, in economic indicators, whether it's poverty rates or unemployment rates or uh, household income in educational attainment, in, uh, in health uh, issues. And so we, we still have work to do, but it's encouraging to see a growing awareness that this must be a collaborative effort. When we talk about sustainability, it used to be people focused almost exclusively on the environment, on, on natural resources, but sustainability has several components to it. it. There is the natural environment piece of it, but there's also economic sustainability and there's also social or cultural sustainability. We have to build strong communities, communities that are good places to live, good places to raise family, offering uh, quality education and quality health care, and, and becoming uh, great places to retire. And, and we're seeing that happening in the region, but it only happens when we all work together. And I'll say, when I first started this job, people would ask me, you know, what do we need to do to improve health in Appalachia? And my first answer was reduce smoking. Now, smoking is the leading preventable cause of death. Our smoking rate is a third higher than the national rate. But then I thought more about it, and I thought, no, the real thing we need to do is get more kids through high school and into post, uh, into secondary, you know, post-secondary education. 
But then as I thought about it even more, I picked up on what Ron was saying, and I think the most important thing is we have to empower people in Appalachia to feel positive about themselves. Because when we start looking at our strengths, we got a lot going for us. You know, we got a lot of challenges, a lot of bad history. We've had a lot of, you know, there was a lot of stuff taken from our region, starting with timber and then coal and historical artifacts. We've had a brain drain. We've lost a lot of stuff, but we've got incredible capacity. And that's what we have to build on. We have to say, hey, the rest of this stuff, you know, that's, that's history. Let's move forward and, and have a positive future. Where do you see the most capacity or the bright spots for Appalachia? I would say self-reliance, independence, incredible work ethic. The things that allowed people to live in these rugged mountains for hundreds of years Oh, that's right, and I, I couldn't agree more again uh, with Randy uh, that the region ha has so much to offer. Earl Gohl, who for, for many years was the director of the Appalachian Regional Commission, every time I heard him speak, he, he always described Appalachia as the next great investment opportunity. <laughs> it, it's a place where, and increasingly people are looking at the region and, and they're seeing these positive characteristics and, and the positive strengths of the region, uh, the, the beautiful natural resources. And, you know, we need to build on that and we need to continue to, to build the, the positive attitudes in the region. You know, how many people know the rich history of Appalachia? They, they might have a sense of the, the history of country music or old time music, but how many know that W.C. Handy, the father of blues music, was from the North Alabama mountains or that Bessie Smith, the empress of the blues, was from Chattanooga? And it goes on and on and on of the gifts that Appalachia has given to the rest of the world. And I, I think people are starting to, to realize that and, and they're moving to the region. We're seeing uh, that playing out in the, the internal migration that, that's happening in our time today is sort of reversing the out migration that we've seen in the past. And so I, I think we have a lot of positive things to reflect on and to, to work together to build upon. And a, a couple of, actually a weekend ago, my wife and I were camping along the Blue Ridge Parkway. And I was just reminded how stunningly beautiful the region is. I mean, it, it's, it borders on breathtaking, except when you're driving up some of those roads pulling a, a tag along behind you. <laughs> but, I mean, it really, it's a stunningly beautiful region. It's a great place to live, you know, nice weather. And again, I think, I think what we're going to start seeing more of is we've started to see retirement communities growing, in, particularly in western North Carolina. But I think we're going to see them across the region, just for all the positive regions reasons. And this this particular area, Johnson City, is very fortunate. I mean, great healthcare, higher education, good transportation. I mean, it's 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 primed to continue growing and prospering. And I think that'll both benefit the university and allow the university to sort of expand its impact on the region. I've only lived in Appalachia for the past 30 years or so, and I, I'm struck that I see an increase in pride in people being from Appalachia. Do you, I don't know how long both of you have been in the, in the region, but do you, do you see a growing pride in people identifying as Appalachian and just pride in the health and the vibrance of their culture? Well, I would agree with that. I think that, you know, as Randy said, there, there's a long history of the negative stereotypes and things being taken, but more and more people are becoming aware of 
what a great place this is to live and, and the strong uh, positive characteristics that we've had in the culture here. And uh, part of that comes from our diversity that, that belies the stereotype. You know, we have people from all over the world who live and, and work in Appalachia and who work together to make this a, a special place. I asked my students uh, in class recently, you know, what are the most positive characteristics that, that you've ever heard about Appalachia? And the first two that they mentioned that we've touched on already, one was hospitality, the other was resiliency. <laughs> the people of the region uh, will welcome you with open arms and, and they are resilient in the face of the challenges that we face. I will say that we have to be a little bit careful about one thing. And sometimes what will happen in a region is if retirees or healthy, well, relatively healthy, relatively wealthy people move in, the statistics start to look better. But you've still got the underlying poverty. And I think one of the challenges we've got is to make sure that the folks at the very bottom see the benefits of the economic growth of the region. And that'll, that'll take some challenges. You see it, we see it in Tennessee. It's, rel it's not relative, it's very easy to bring in great new businesses in the urban areas, in the peri-urban areas. But what are you going to do in Hancock County, in Cock County, in Lake County? And Lake's not in Appalachia, but you know, it's the poorer counties are the ones we really have to focus on to make sure that we bring everybody up to enjoy the, the benefits of, of what we've got. Well, Appalachian Health really focuses on the challenges and also, as you mentioned, all of the potential for good health here. I'd like to give you both an opportunity to kind of brag on what we have going on here at ETSU because many of these challenges, as I'm reading through the book and reading about the opioid crisis, and we're doing research on these subjects here at ETSU. We're doing important work to address these challenges. So talk about some of the research happening here and what's coming out of that to impact our region. I'll start on the health side. And I, I want to reiterate something that Ron said. Dr. Nolan has talked about Appalachia as a land-grant institution. I mean, ETSU is a land-grant institution for Appalachia. And that's a great, great way to think about it. We are a university that is absolutely committed to its region. You know, I meet with other deans of public health, and they're struggling. How, how does my school of public health interact with our region? And I'm like, that's never been a problem. That, that's what we do. That's in the, that's in the DNA of ETSU is, is service to this region. And that's why you see expertise here in primary care and rural health, women's health, uh, addiction science, heart disease, some of the issues of pollution. That's just on the health side. And I think the, the brightest future for us is forcibly bringing together Ron's area and our area, the clinical side. I mean, let's, in the business and economics, let's really strategize on how we can take all this incredible strength and be the shepherd of the future of Appalachia. Well, that's right. And we have such incredible strengths here across the university and in every college that it, it, they're doing special things to serve this region. And I think there's a growing spirit of collaboration. ETSU's uh, new emphasis on research with the Research uh, Corporation, really emphasizing working together across uh, college boundaries, you know, breaking down the silos. And we see many examples of that the brewing and distilling studies uh, minor that was recently established, uh, you know, partnership between uh, the entrepreneurship program in the College of Business and Technology, chemistry program in the College of Arts and Sciences, Appalachian Studies in Arts and Sciences, interdisciplinary studies in the graduate school, all working together. 
for a unique program that, that's rooted in the history of the region. ETSU is just preparing to uh, roll out a quality enhancement plan that will focus on community engagement. And there's so much community engagement that happens all across our campus. We've already mentioned the Appalachian Teaching Project here in our department, which we run for the Appalachian Regional Commission. It gets students from 16 colleges and universities throughout Appalachia, from New York to Alabama, out into communities working on community engagement projects. But that's just one example. This community engagement quality enhancement plan is going to really foster that across the university. And again, as Randy said, sort of forcing us to work together. Not that we need to be forced, but sometimes we need uh, encouragement and we need uh, systems that will help that to happen. So I, I do think ETSU has such a long history of serving this region. It's been so important to this area, and I think it has developed healthy respect over the years between the community and the university. So we work together well. The future's bright. Dr. Roach, as you consider everything we're learning and exploring here at ETSU as it relates to Appalachia, how can we translate that in service beyond Appalachia? How can these lessons that we are learning apply beyond our region? Well, that's a great question. I, I teach a course in our graduate program, and by the way, we're one of three universities to offer a master's degree in Appalachian Studies. It's a course called Regional and International Issues uh, in Appalachian Studies, and we explore the forces of uh, globalization, which have affected every region around the world and have had a profound effect on Appalachia. As we mentioned earlier, we engage in comparative mountain studies looking at other regions around the world. What can we learn from them and the challenges they face, but what can they learn from us as well? When we've worked in Roma uh, Romania and Ukraine, for example, in the Carpathian Mountains, the concept of regional studies there that you could bring together multiple disciplines to work together to help and to study a region is, is a new concept there. The concept of, of nonprofit organizations working alongside governmental organizations is a new concept in many places. So uh, there are certainly uh, lessons learned here that we can share with the rest of the world, but there's so much we can learn uh, from them as well in how we can, for example, preserve and, and improve and ex expand on our, on our cultural heritage and how we can better serve our natural environment, preserve our uh, environmental resources. So I think that there are many, many places, and not just limited to mountain regions, which we naturally focus on, but regions like the Delta region here in, in the United States. We've had some interesting conversations with the, the Center of Excellence in the Delta region to, to talk about how we might collaborate. We've had uh, developing a great partnership with the Center for Rural Health Research in Dr. Wyckoff's college, directed by Dr. Michael Meat, one of the authors in the book. And, and I think we're exploring some intriguing ways that we might not only improve uh, what we're doing here in Appalachia, but how can we collaborate with other regions that face similar problems and, and, and help one another. And I'll add, we, you know, we teach students out at Valley Brook how to, how to work in low-resource, limited-resource settings. And one of the take-home lessons is people live the way they do for a reason. And until you understand that reason, you really shouldn't be going in and trying to change how they live. And I think one of the real values of studying cultures in other places is to understand how they live, what the overlap is, and then what the relative advantages of what we have done or what they have done could be. So before you 
mess with someone's traditional way of living, you need to understand the, the details of it. Thank you so much for this conversation about Appalachia for the book that really helps improve understanding of the issues that are we're facing here. The book recently won the Henry Clay Award, so congratulations. Thank you very much. That's great news and can be purchased at local booksellers yeah. and online as well. So we hope our listeners... And, and at the ETSU bookstore. Exactly. Get your copy. I want to thank both of you, Dr. Roach and Dr. Wyckoff, for your time this morning and thank our listeners for joining us. Thank you for listening to Primary Sources. Our theme music was created by students of Martin Walters, a member of ETSU's Department of Music. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with friends and colleagues.